Welcome to yet another episode of the Awake Asia podcast, where each episode I share topics surrounding health, fitness, entrepreneurship, and conscious living to help you live a fitter, healthier, and more purpose-driven conscious lifestyle. My name is Luke. I'm an author, educator, and along with my wife, Emily, a mum and ultra-endurance athlete, we are the creators of awakemethod.com. This week, I'm joined with good friends Dan and Sean Moskalup. I connected with them a year ago when they were guests on the Plant Fit Summit. I wanted another opportunity to share their amazing story on this podcast. In this episode, we chat about how Dan and Sean's life have been impacted since moving towards a plant-based diet. Sean lost almost half her body weight while Dan won his battle with stage 4 kidney cancer. The power of plants. We started the conversation with Dan and Sean sharing the amazing memories on the plant-based cruise they attended the holistic holiday at sea. Now, on to the conversation. This year really began with um, holistic holiday the holistic sea. holiday at okay. sea. Cruise. So we did the cruise that was 11 days through the Caribbean. Nice. And it was with all the rock stars of the plant-based world, uh, doctors and researchers, T. Colin Campbell. Oh, everybody. Uh, you know, Neil Barnard, Ron Weiss, the whole gang was there. And it was lectures from morning till night. And it was wonderful to be with 2,500 like-minded people on wow. a boat. It was great. It was wonderful. Um, I think uh, we were on the recovery panel. Okay. And which seemed a little ludicrous because the recovery panel was everybody that was there. It was, there were so many amazing stories of health recovery by adopting a whole food plant-based diet. People mm -hmm. who had, you know, MS, cancer, wow. obesity, heart disease, heart disease. Oh, yeah. so many people, yeah. just so many amazing stories. Yeah. It was, it was such a testimony to the, if you could just get the whole world to listen to that. Oh my goodness. Was this any, were any of the presentations or any of that recorded? Is that going to be streamed down the track? Because obviously so there's lots and lots of great content and lots of great inspirational stories as well yeah so what they did uh is when you go to holistic holiday at sea cruise website uh you can review the 2019 uh lectures uh they're available on dvd for purchase uh what we did as well as as contributors for jane unchained uh we taped uh, and posted live and or the recorded uh, versions uh quite a few of the lectures in fact we're still posting some of the lectures from it because we got so much content um, and, and not only the lectures, but the social networking as well, that the opportunities that I, you guys would, you guys would thoroughly enjoy, uh, the cruise itself, uh, you know, your wife and, uh, you know, that you it was, know. it's like a think tank, right? Yeah. It's wow. all of these people with these amazing ideas to move this movement forward and connecting together, you know, we're stronger together. So plant pure nation was there and they're like, okay, we've, we've updated our, our plant pods and we're doing this and it was just, it was astounding. It was just such a positive, uplifting experience. Yeah. A lot of newbies, a lot of new people, the veg curious that were uh, there for their first time hearing all these lectures. Uh, and then, um, you know, if, if funny, interestingly enough, a few familiar faces of individuals that we know 
that again, any chance that we get to see these or hear these lectures and these presenters speak, that we uh, we we you know we seek and you them get out. to meet your online friends, which is kind of cool. It's crazy, yeah. isn't it? It's just like you know of these people from all around the world, and you know of each other's lives, but yeah. you you've never actually met. But when you finally meet, you just almost instantaneously click. Instantly yeah. click. Oh yeah, because you're you're all on that same. Path yeah. and that same you know you've got that same kind of moral compass going uh same belief system same 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 understanding as to what's going on around the world and right now too so yeah. yeah yeah so we came home from that and uh what do we do after that well let's see oh well then we we uh, it's interesting the film meeting you alive uh the uh the screenings uh, are still happening so we were off to uh um, Edmonton uh, for uh, uh, there's a there's this lovely couple there their parents that are are are, are uh, into the school system trying to get plant based nutrition into the schools in Alberta and Edmonton uh, their their group is called Heal and that's uh, healthy eating and learning um, so they they uh, they set up a screening of eating you alive and they also had ten of the fifteen restaurants. Edmonton, which is northern Alberta, which is really, you know, kind of the epicenter of, of the cattle industry in Canada, uh, is the epicenter for for vegan whole food, plant-based foods. Uh, wow. Yeah. In fact, Matthew Kenny uh, opened up a, uh, a, a restaurant uh, up there, Canoe. And uh, so this evening for Eating You Live, they had the 10 restaurant vendors. The food sampling was amazing. Uh, again, uh, the, uh, the film screening went well and a, a wonderful... A uh, very engaging um, Q&A discussion session after the film. And then we, after Edmonton, was off to this little town east of uh, Edmonton called Bakerville, which is about... Which we've named, renamed Bedraville. <laughs> Bed, yeah, Bedraville now. <laughs> uh, staunch farming, cattle country community. Uh, and we, uh, there was a group uh, that set up uh, a dinner, so about 35 participants, lovely plant-based dinner in the screening again in this old uh, refurbished uh, uh, historical train station. Uh, and uh, it was wonderful. Yeah, so it was from Edmonton where we had about what, 300 people come out yeah. to Vedraville where there was 35 people. Yeah. So, so it's everywhere, all over the map, yeah. really, literally. Yeah, and then so, back wow. and then into May, back to uh, British Columbia. Uh, and in April. In April, sorry, April was, um, gosh, what the International Ottawa International Vegan Film Festival. Well, well, was that Meet the Victims? Oh, well, yes, yes. Uh, yeah. And so, um, as a lot of people know, that we're we're definitely we're health advocates. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, we came into this lifestyle for health, for sure. Um, and and but, you found everything else. But, yes. We're yeah. very, very much involved for the past couple of years with respect to animal rights uh, activism. Um, I, I guess one of the big things that happened with me as well is I retired from uh, my career of 33 years with uh, Canada. Yeah, congratulations. That's a big, big part of your life. Oh, yeah. My goodness. Yeah. So retired from uh, the, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. And uh, that has kind of permitted me to be a little bit more vocal and active with my animal rights activism. Uh, which is a very interesting perspective, uh, seeing that I've been on one side of the protest lines as a police officer, and now I'm on the other side of the protest lines as an activist. And uh, we participated uh, in uh, Canada's first ever uh, farm lockdown with uh, Meet the Victims Canada, 
which is a worldwide uh, movement that we've seen happen in Australia, most recently in the Netherlands. Um, the one here in Canada, in, in Abbotsford, uh, in British Columbia here, April 28th, about 200 of us attended. 65 individuals uh, entered uh, the facility, the, uh, the factory farm, uh, pig farm. And, uh, um, you know, were live streaming everything they were seeing and observing with the, the conditions of that farm. Um, I, a lot of people are aware that as well, the week before, uh, PETA had put out uh, some footage of that farm that showed uh, the horrific conditions that were, were there. And uh, it was interesting that... And I, I, you know, it really comes down to a public education, a consumer education issue, I think, hmm. because uh, we know that these industries operate in complete secrecy and that they're self-regulated. And uh, I think people have the right to know where their food is produced and how it's produced. Yeah, to make an informed decision, really. Exactly. And it's, it's, I think that once consumers can see the truth of how their food's being produced, it becomes quite clear quite quickly that that process does not align with their values. Mm -hmm. Not only that, even from uh, taking the ethical aspect out of it right, right away, it's uh, the footage showed pigs with huge tumors and open infections and just dead Sickly animals, animals yeah. decaying amongst live animals. And I think that no one would think that that is food. And, and I think that as many people who thought that the, the whole action maybe was not on the up and up as far as law abiding, that's what we have to do as consumers to actually find out the truth. And I, you know, because I said it that day is that if, if you showed up at an apple orchard, the apple farmer wouldn't run around like Henny Penny trying to hide all the bruised apples, you know? I mean, there's nothing to hide. There's no huge walls around apple orchards. Or carrot farms. Or carrot farms. Yeah. You know, I'm sure yeah. if you show up at the far carrot farmer's door and you say, hey, can I see your carrots? They're like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. But my God, you go to a pig farm and uh, yeah. it, it's, so it's the, hectic and chaotic. We're, uh, we're very fortunate, though, here in Canada that, um, again, the, um, how the protest and action rolled out uh, was quite safe. We had the cooperation of our local police force, the Abbotsford police attended. They attended a little bit in high numbers. I guess maybe they didn't know what to expect, uh, but essentially they, you know, the activists arrived very early. 65 of them went onto the property with another 140, 150 uh, um, on the public space on the road uh, and, uh, you know, lawfully exercising their, their civil rights to protest. And uh, 50 of the individuals made it inside the barn and spent six hours inside uh, and then negotiated certain things. They negotiate. They were able to negotiate a media tour of the barns, um, which you know, in addition to what their footage was showing, uh, you know, was interesting because compared to what the activists were showing, when the farmer gave the media tour, the tour that they gave was far more sterile and more restricted in which areas it went in. But nonetheless, it was a, a tremendous thing to see that uh, this was probably the first time in Canada that we've seen media permitted into one of these facilities while there's a protest. So um, I think all in all, when we look at the results of it, 
Um, the 50 individuals were ready to face the consequences. Uh, they were all arrested at the scene, and one individual was was released uh, in that. So, but what I, you know, the the, the important thing is, is again too, is that um, all in all, this created a lot of discussion, a lot of dialogue. And and you know, it, it's interesting when we know from our perspective of adopting a whole food plant-based diet and, and particularly, you know, 2015, the World Health Organization came out saying that processed meat, which is your bacon, your ham, your sausages, most of the things that these poor pigs are made into are a group one carcinogen. Mm. I mean, it, it becomes like this absolutely absurd thing on from our perspective. Once you you've had that veil lifted and you've learned the truth about your food is that here are these animals suffering horribly that will then be sent to slaughter to cause us to suffer horribly, cause cancer, colon cancer, many types of cancers, uh, heart disease, diabetes, environmental degradation, the environmental degradation. Of it's just a whole cycle, isn't it? Yeah, the whole thing. And, it, yeah. and it's just like, okay, folks, it's time to give our heads a shake. We need to stop this industry. It's it's killing animals. It's killing people. It's killing the planet. Yeah, it's it's time to, and, to be done in dialogue. And I think opening the dialogue as well with the farming community as to look, you know, when it was interesting to look around the, the scenery that day in the Fraser Valley is this beautiful, lush green valley. It's some of the most fertile land in Canada. Which again, we you know we can always look at that Canada has you know the, one of the largest land masses and probably one of the most fertile countries on the planet. And instead of growing food to feed people, we're using all this land mass to grow food to feed animals, who we then take up all the nutrients from the food we're growing the plants and then and then process them to get secondhand protein from it and nutrients. Right, yeah. So it's about a little odd. So I I, I think in general that uh, certainly that action that day. Uh, and several other things right now that are happening, it seems that not only do we have this ripple effect that is happening with our, you know, the health advocacy and your efforts as well, too, with the podcasts and, and, and uh, your summit, is that this year it feels more like a, a, seismic, uh, a seismic shock that is happening. It's not only a ripple anymore. There is this definite seismic shock that is being felt everywhere it's being discussed more in our main and stream media my parents who adopted a whole food plant-based diet wow. in, the 80s, in their 80s a couple yeah. of years a few years ago i was over there the other day and conversing with them and you know they're very old school they're not online they're still the daytime tv workers my dad who's <laughs> 88 he says, you know dan it's really interesting because it's not just our imagination we're sitting there watching our daytime shows and it doesn't matter what the type of show is, it seems we're hearing this more and more, whether it be vegan or the term plant-based. So yeah. the echo chamber is burst. I think yeah. we've broken through the echo chamber. Yeah, and, and we've seen that, you know, I mean, Beyond Burger, their debut on, on the stock market, I mean. Indeed, impossible as well, I think in Singapore, because Singapore, the whole plant-based meat alternatives from a sustainability standpoint, it's just growing heaps. And for, for Singapore and a place in Asia, uh, I think it's incredible and I think it's efforts to, to people like you guys going out there and, and really fighting for what is right. I think that's that's just amazing. I really want to go back into, you know, you mentioned you went into the whole food plant-based diet for the health. For, for those people that don't really know your story, do share about how you came into this lifestyle. And I know you probably would have shared it quite a lot, <laughs> but I think uh, it's, it's worth sharing again because Thank I you. think it, it paints a... A picture of hope to many people that 
may have not had that hope and may have just kind of resigned to, oh, well, that's that's the end of my life. Right. Well, I mean, I think the story really starts with me. Um, actually, it starts with our son, oddly enough. Uh, in grade 10, he joined a gym and he was told at the gym that he would Wait, never be able to put on muscle if he didn't take protein powder. So I, like a good mom, off to the health food store I went and I was looking at these giant tubs of whey protein powder with the 8 million ingredients down the side. And um, the store clerk came up to me and she quietly said, who are you buying that for? And I said, my 16 year old son, she said, you need to go home and do a little research before you buy that. And I just thought that was so strange. How often do you have a sales clerk who doesn't want to sell you something? And it intrigued me enough that I went home and I just, I Googled whey protein powder and by some fate of good luck, some wonderful thing that happened, John McDougall's The Perils of Dairy came up. And I remember watching it and thinking, firstly, who is this crazy quack? And secondly, it was just so fascinating because it was completely opposite of everything that I had ever heard or known about dairy. And it, it intrigued me so much that I watched it two more times, back to back, right then and there. And then, you know, he mentions a few other people in there, other physicians and researchers. And I just started to look at them all. So it was, you know, uh, Dean Ornish, Neil Barnard, John McDougall, that whole gang of researchers and physicians. And it just captivated me to the point where I could not stop reading. And I read everything I could get my hands on. And I guess it, you know, the quintessential moment for me came after reading The China Study by T. Colin Campbell. And so I had started leaning the family in with much resistance. And by uh, April 1st, 2011, I finally decided that's it. I can no longer give you animal products or processed food any more than I could cigarettes or drugs. And so April 1st, April Fool's Day, I cleaned out the entire kitchen, the freezer, the fridge, everything, showed up at my neighbors with frozen bacon and butter and everything, gave it all away. And that's it. We were we were vegan, more vegan than plant based at that time, transitional foods at first. And uh, at that time, I weighed 300 pounds and I had struggled with my weight most of my adult life, like many women gaining weight after each pregnancy. At that time, how old were you? About? Oh, I was in I was 40s? mid 40s, I guess. And I had kind of resigned myself to being obese for the rest of my life. I tried every diet, you know, Jenny Craig, Weight Watchers, and they would work while I was on them. But the minute I went back to the standard American diet, the weight would come back. And so, you know, I kind of was a spectator in our family life. Dan took the kids camping. Dan took the kids canoeing. And I watched from the sidelines because I was I was too overweight and out of shape mm. to really participate. And so I did I did the switch for health, just purely from what I had read about avoiding chronic disease. And so that first month when I lost 15 pounds without trying and without exercise, just by eating plants, I was astounded. And I thought, wow, 
So I kept going. I mean, it was so motivating. And over the next two years, I lost 133 pounds. And um, it was, it was just, it was the easiest thing I'd done. I mean, it was a little difficult to reteach yourself how to grocery shop and cook. But other than that, it was the, the weight just melted off. And here we are, well, that was 2011. I started kind of hit where I wanted to be or where my body wanted to be 213. And now we're 219. And, you know, here I am still. And we know the statistics on weight loss and regain are pretty mm-hmm. uh, dismal. And I've managed to do it without ever counting calories or any of that. And Keeping the weight off. Yeah. Keeping and the weight so, off and vitality. Yeah. I think speaking of vitality, I must add, I mean, obviously this is a podcast and nobody can see what you look like, Sean, but you just look like not a day above 30. <laughs> you look, you, you are look, you, my are, favorite. <laughs> you, you, you are just absolutely glowing. Both of you are. I mean, that's, that's just incredible. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank yeah. you very much. Thanks. Yeah, it's I, I do feel that at 55, I feel, um, more energetic. I feel younger. I feel more capable to do anything than I did Since in my early thirties, really, yeah. you know, yeah. or even my twenties, really. Yeah. 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 It, it, uh, and when we looked at those first two years, of course, and as she said, we were kind of, you know, myself and then the two kids, our son and daughter were a little reluctant as to adopting and dropping all the animal products out of our diet. So outside the home, we're still, I, you know, we're as a shift worker, police officer, I'm still scarfing stuff down on shift. And but in the two years, you know, at that the first start of the two years, I was uh, um, I was about overweight by about 35 pounds. I have metabolic syndrome, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, pre-diabetes, uh, all these things that in middle age men start to see in the discussions to start having with your doctors. And uh, after that two years. All those markers disappeared, and again, I felt healthier, looked healthier than I had since I was in my early 20s, yeah. and that was at about 95% being plant-based. So, yeah, so this was fall of 2013. I was, like, back into my wedding dress, mm. all of this kind of thing. I thought we were bulletproof. Mm. We were we were moving along. We were happy. We were healthy. We had the world by the tail, yeah. and... Uh, we well, moved over. That that brings us to uh, you know that fall in in 2013, and um, it was interesting because uh, again, as you adopt this plant based lifestyle, um, you know you you eliminate colds, you eliminate fluish feeling, you eliminate uh, allergy symptoms, and this week in November, first week in November, uh, I wasn't feeling well. I started having abdominal pain on one side, then. Uh, given my family history with with uh, abdominal diseases and things, I, I thought, well, it might be a kidney stone or kidney infection. So I put off all week the pain that I was feeling on my left side. And then finally that Saturday, uh, I just couldn't put it off any longer. I'd been chopping wood all day. Uh, and then I came into the house and said, we got to go to the hospital. There's, there's something's going on. I, I'm just buckled in pain. So off to the hospital, the emergency ward, we went here. And that evening they took a scan that night. Uh, and, um, it was interesting because in the emergency ward, you know, they, they do the scan, they sit you back down and then the doctor came back to us in the waiting room, ushered us into a, um, examination room and, uh, you know, within two steps and two sentences into the conversation, 
He looked at me, said, Dan, I've got your results. It's not a kidney stone. It's not kidney infection. It's your right kidney is one massive tumor. It's cancer. Uh, and that uh, the, the cancer has metastasized. It's spread out of the right kidney, which was one massive tumor. It's into your vena cava uh, and your lymph node systems. Um, and the tumor itself growing into the vena cava is, is spreading upwards towards your lungs and your heart. Um, so that was that night, November 9th, 2013, that we got the news of the diagnosis. And that was the night that I fully committed uh, to eating a whole food plant-based uh, diet. And from the point that point onwards, Sean's reading and research then turned to uh, nutrition and cancer. Yeah, I mean, initially we were in shock completely. Uh, I think many people who've mm. had that situation, it's just the rug pulled right out from under you. Um, but then, you know, I had been reading for, for two years at this point about uh, how animal products affected you, disease re reversal, all of these things. And I really started to look at, at cancer nutrition. And there's a hundred years of data showing the linkage between animal protein and cancer cell growth. So it was like, okay, let's put it to the test, you know? like. So here we go. And I think we we really at that moment went from vegan to whole food plant based, mm -hmm. very strict. So it was, you know, uh, no sugar, no processed foods, no unbroken grains. So not no even oil. flour products, no oil at all. Tons of vegetables, tons of greens, like heaps of greens. He wasn't allowed to leave the table till he had these mountains of kale and spinach and mm. all of this kind of thing. And and not only to to combat what was coming, to get him ready for surgery, mm -hmm. just to put it into play. Yeah. So the you know again, I was very very healthy, uh, and it was explained to us that that cancer would have taken about fifteen to twenty years for that cancer to develop to the stage that it was, and that was stage four. Now, kidney cancer stage four, renal cell carcinoma. Uh, there are no effective treatments for it. They don't do chemo or radiation. We were told that it was terminal. We were told that we would be naive to think that it wouldn't spread and grow. Uh, they, uh, but they remarked again as to how healthy I was. And they stated, well, the first order of the day will be that, uh, you know, your right kidney is one massive tumor. So we'll uh, look at the surgery as to removing the kidney, possibly cleaning out some of the lymph nodes and uh, pulling the tumor out of the vena cava and hopefully not having to dissect the, that, the main artery as well. So Christmas Eve 2013, that's, that's how we spent our Christmas. So I was on, 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 you know, on the surgery table. Uh, there was a cardiologist to uh, urologist on hand in case things went sideways because it was a, a very, very massive surgery. Uh, they opened me up from side to side to really have a really good look around. And uh, so they were successful with the extreme nephrectomy of removing the, uh, the kidney. Uh, and uh, they were able to pull the tumor out of the vena cava, uh, which is the tronchial vein, which all your organs are attached to. And uh, so successfully pulled the tumor out, cleaned a few lymph nodes out. Um, and then uh, it was to see how uh, well that I recovered from the surgery. And in fact, when we went into the surgery, they said that there was a chance that I might not even survive the surgery. But... Again, because I was such a healthy individual and a candidate for the surgery itself, they were they were pretty optimistic. And uh, I, you know, uh, again, as uh, I recovered from the surgery for the first couple of weeks, it was brutal. 
given that, you know, I think I had about 53 staples across my abdomen and, uh, you know, bedridden, um, couldn't sleep, couldn't eat, you know, lost a lot of about med- 30 pounds yeah. in, in a couple, you know, in a yeah. month because you just couldn't eat. And that was it. Prior to the surgery, Sean kind of got me ready with, the, you know, a very, very nutrient dense uh, uh, and high calorie, uh, but healthy, uh, you know, diet to get me ready for the surgery and recovery from the surgery. And um, it worked because initially, you know, I, I dropped the weight, couldn't eat. Uh, what got me through the hard parts was, uh, you know, fresh roasted nuts on the bedside where I'd graze on, uh, you know, on, on, on roasted nuts, which are, we know that are, are high in calories, nutriently dense. And uh, that got me through the tough parts. Yeah, it was like a cashew one you know, hour, a pecan the yeah, next hour. You know, an was... almond, and that was it. And then slowly but surely, you know, I was able to get out of the bedroom. Uh, initially, you know, when we talk about recovering, you start to feel that, okay, I got to start moving. And uh, had the uh, the um, uh, the treadmill beside the bed, and uh, getting on the treadmill, it was like literally thirty seconds, <laughs> and it was at the slowest pace that that treadmill could go, with just putting one step in front of the other, and then doing it for a bit, and saying, "Okay, that's good," and then back into bed. Then eventually, within a few weeks, downstairs, sitting in the living room. Eventually, I made it out the front door to the end of the driveway. <laughs> It's a big day. Yeah, it was incredible. <laughs> and then, you know, slowly recovering. So I want to know then what was going through your mind. I, I noticed that you just kept kind of pushing yourself first out of the bed and then next few steps and then getting out of the house. In the first early stages, I, I really didn't think I was going to live. I didn't think I was going to survive. Well, I mean, you know, it was... They said months to two months years. Months to two years. So I think that in itself, when I was told that I had perhaps months, I kind of had a mindset that, um, every day was going to be a day and that, you know, I'd wake up, my eyes would open. I'd say, okay, today's today. And then, you know, get through the day and, uh, you know, do what I could. And, um, you know, cried a lot, laughed a lot. There's a lot of pain, but again, the mindset was that today is the day and I'm, I'm, I'm alive right now. And I have to do the best. I have to live it. I have to and live it. It was everybody's like, oh, well, wait and see. No, wait and live. Yeah. As best you can. So there, yeah, everybody would call, oh, how is it going? Oh, so you're waiting to see what's going to happen. No, I'm, I'm, I'm living. I'm not waiting. I'm just living. And that was really from the onset right away. And then, but again, so when you start getting these, these, the, the slow recovery in your body healing from the incision across my abdomen uh, to getting over the pain. Um, to then being able to sleep again, uh, then the appetite comes back and then you start feeling healthy. But on this one hand, you say, well, apparently I've got, and then I had these lymph nodes, a few lymph nodes, distant lymph nodes that were still enlarged, one near my windpipe, which was quite threatening. And then others, you know, in, in, in the, you know, my, my abdominal cavity and, and my back. And, uh, but in those months, there was with the CT scans every six weeks, there was no spread and there was no growth. And, you know, it, it's funny, too, that, you know, we we kept up with what I called our program of nutritional excellence. And and uh, about, I guess, three weeks after the surgery, they called and, you know, they always take tissue samples from the tumor and they grow them in the Petri dish to see what the doubling time is, what they're dealing with. And they hit call. Dan was still upstairs in bed and they called and they said, you know, we're really sorry to tell you, but this is a very aggressive form of cancer. 
And I remember hanging up the phone and thinking, okay, well, that's it. We're done, you know? But I, what I think I realize now and what I believe to be true is that that cancer was very aggressive in a hospitable environment, but we had made Dan's body a very inhospitable environment by bathing every cell with nutrients, plant-based nutrients, very alkaline. And by eliminating the animal products yep. and animal protein, which we know science-based evidence shows that it promotes cancer growth, we made it very as difficult as possible for that cancer to grow. And, uh, and I think you also eliminated refined sugar as well, yep. because I think cancer feeds on sugar exactly. as well. Exactly. No refined sugar. No. I, we were, it really was a Both diet of, of nutritional excellence. Yeah. Like I just, yeah, we were, we were highly motivated. Yeah. So, and then again, as I recovered from the surgery, another comment that the oncologist made, and, and again, people with cancer know this term is that watch and wait. So sometimes uh, that uh, even though this was a very aggressive form of the cancer, they said, you're very healthy, you're doing extremely well. We have the time to watch and wait to see what the cancer is going to do. They said, the only hope that we have for medical intervention is if we can get you onto a phase one trial study. And at the time, back in 2013, uh, so 2014, 2014, uh, it was immunotherapy drugs were just coming on to the trial phases. And those immunotherapy drugs are, of course, are a type of drug that bump up your immune system to help your immune system get past the blocks that the cancers put up. So they said, we're going to try and get you on to one of these studies. So we're not even going to bother trying with one of the uh, either chemo or radiation that we know is not effective because by trying one of the other uh, treatments, you would be eliminated as a candidate. So yeah. they wanted to ensure that I'd have the best chance to get on to one of these studies. So by the March, sure enough, I was healthy enough. And again, too, from, from December to March, my medical team were just astounded as to how healthy I was and the recovery that I made from the surgery itself, being my weight, my blood pressure, my, my blood counts, my energy levels. And again, when you talk, you talked about my mindset. So you're kind of going, you know, day by day, week by week, month by month, scans every six weeks. There's no cancer spread into my blood or my other organs or into the bones. The current lymph nodes, they're not growing. In fact, they started to uh, show shrinkage, um, uh, you know, quite early on. So when you talk about, you know, attitude, how else could I feel but to feel optimistic? And I, I have to say, other than, you know, <laughs> you know, how my whole life has been as to, you know, meeting Sean, marrying Sean, you know, as we are as single guys that we, we have a fabulous, <laughs> you know, partner and you get into life and then you have kids and things are just going tickety-boo ups and downs, but in general. But I think with the cancer recovery, and interestingly enough too, I was, I, initially I thought about documenting and videographing and photographing my my journey but initially it was so dire that i did not want to have a recording of it that would if 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 i did die as they thought i would that my family recorded. would they be left with this yeah. but as i went carrying on now now but even darn, darn yeah. it but so <laughs> i should have recorded all of that yes i think we have maybe 
I don't know, three pictures yeah. throughout that whole oh, era. Yeah, I think one of them was uh, on, I think, was it you walking away in the, sh- a picture of you walking away in the hospital. In the hospital. Yeah. That's the only one that I keep yeah, seeing. Yeah, and our daughter snapped that just randomly. And, and and I didn't even know she had that picture until later because yeah. she was just so heartbroken too. Of course. Yeah, of course. I guess the hospital, like I say, the six days in the hospital was just misery. And then even home, there's another, Can imagine. another photograph of myself with my son on the couch. Just I was probably about February or March. And I don't look well at all, you know. And uh, But so then, you know, the recovery happens. They say by March, we say, okay, you're healthy enough. We're going to get you into this trial study. Uh, four treatments every three weeks of these two drugs. Uh, and, to then? Be, and then followed by a maintenance treatment of the one drug every two weeks for the rest of my life or forever how long my body could endure the treatment. And that's how they put it. Um, so we started off that in March, driving the five hours to Vancouver. And, and it, you know, it was a phase one. Yeah. So that that's made very clear to you that it's, it's basically an experimental thing for future patients. It's and not that made, you yeah. should not be expecting to have any actual benefits. And so, you know, I I was, and so were you, we were adamant that, okay, if this is an experiment, you need to know all the factors. And and we want it noted that we're whole food plant-based. Hmm. Don't care. Don't care. Don't want to yeah. know. You know matter. Doesn't matter. The only thing about nutrition was how's your appetite? That That's was, the only that question that came up. Yeah. yeah. So we would, uh, we would drive down to the cancer, the, the trial study cancer clinic in Vancouver uh, here in British Columbia. And it's a fabulous facility. And we're, we're so fortunate here in Canada with the healthcare that we have and the system in place is just phenomenal. And uh, interestingly enough, I was there on the Wednesday, it was every Wednesday or, or on Wednesday, every three weeks. And I was there during uh, when it was breast cancer. So it was all women on the ward the day that I was sitting in the chair and Sean and I, we'd walk into the clinic and, you know, uh, people would look at us both. And essentially we looked then by, by then in March, you know, fairly quite, quite healthy. In fact, very much how we do look today. And people would, you know, kind of look at us as to say, well, who are these? What two, are you doing here? Why, yeah, why are they exactly. here? And which of these two is, is diagnosed with cancer, let alone stage four. So um, I made it through to the third treatment of, of that that first those that first batch uh, and um, they told us of the many side effects in fact we had we would get a package um, you know given to us explaining all the side effects it was pages it was about 30 pages long explaining all the possible side effects one of the most serious side effects they said is to keep an eye out is that um, that the, uh, the the drugs essentially it was like you know, unleashing a tiger or, or opening the cage of a wild tiger and um, they don't know what the tiger might attack, right? So your immune system is so bumped up that it can attack itself. And after the third treatment, within a couple of days, we'd gotten home. I woke up one night with fever. Again, everybody with me that knows about cancer is one of the big symptoms that we always look for at red flag is, is fever. Woke up with a fever, woke Sean up, said, we've got to get to the hospital. Something's going on contacted my medical team. They said, yeah, get in there. They're going to draw blood. They drew blood that night. Turned out I did suffer a side effect. And the one that they were most afraid of, and that was that the drugs and my immune system had turned against a very healthy organ, that being my liver. So I was suffering a liver attack. And it turned out to be near fatal, where that night my liver was in distress, so in distress, it was producing 
a protective enzyme 25 times the normal level. So it was about to calf out. So I was dismissed from the trial study at that point in time because, of course, they don't want to kill their trial study patients. And, and, and they usually dismiss at yeah. five times the level of enzymes for, for a liver attack, yeah. and his was 25. So, so it, it was, it was a very, very, very serious. Very serious. Scary. And then, uh, so interestingly enough, though, again, so they said, well, A, you're, you're, you're done with the, the treatment after the third session, and then now we got to worry about your liver. And because the, we, you know, the drugs may damage and, and, and seriously damage your liver. So then I was put on a, a prednisone steroid uh, intravenous uh, regime for about a month. And then for another five months, continued on with prednisone, which tapers off. And then your liver reestablishes itself. And uh, that first month on prednisone, as anybody who's been on that steroid knows, it's, it's a brutal thing. And um, I was like a zooped up tween with ADHD. And that's how Sean described me. I woke up talking and I fell asleep talking. Um, the mood swings were drastic. I was high energy, uh, high. Uh, quick to anger. Quick to anger and cry or laugh, but anger it mostly. Just, it was it was brutal. And I ate, I ate, 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 very energetic. Yeah, but again, just, it was interesting because again, when you look at the nutrients and the nutrition that we're taking in, it was it was it was very interesting because I think it was it was evident that the body knew what it needed. Well, and, I, and, and you know, so many people who say, "Oh my God, you were on prednisone, you must have gained so much weight," because so many people yeah. on prednisone gain so much weight. Well, of course, I out. he was eating this amazing diet massive amounts of food it was like feeding a pregnant woman oh. and and he did not he was like in the best shape of his life because he was flying around like a crazy person eating all of this amazing food yeah. the yard work was getting done in a couple of hours <laughs> and, uh, yeah it was it was it was quite the roller coaster ride for sean and if the cancer didn't kill me she was about to but uh, our yard looked Good. Yeah. <laughs> so surely. And then, you know, I get through that and then I recovered from from the liver attack. And then again, so that puts us now, you know, uh, you August, know September. August, September. And all the while, the CT scans are showing shrinkage of the lymph nodes. These three lymph nodes that they were so concerned with, two of them were, were uh, you know, shrinking. And they said, you know, you're definitely into remission. Your cancer's in remission, which, is which was astounding. And again, they kind of shrugged their shoulders. Well, keep doing what you're doing. Whatever you're doing seems to be working. And again, I, I was, I did not have, I wasn't on any medical treatment at that time. So essentially, I was just going in to get blood pressure checked, my weight, and so on, and those types of things. And they were just very curious. In fact, I had a couple of oncologists switching off because I was such an anomaly to them. And then um, I had another scan sometime just before Christmas. And then by that February, they, they brought us in again to the cancer clinic. This is 215 by two, now. By 215 now. And they said, Dan, we're closing your file. Your cancer is radiologically undetectable. You're cancer free. And there's really nothing else that we, you know, you need from us or we can do for you. And uh, we're closing your file. They said, if you were to walk in today into this clinic, and uh, we would turn you right around because yeah. you you don't belong here. So here's the timeline. Diagnosed with stage four kidney cancer, renal cell carcinoma. 5% chance of survival. Yeah. So, and that was in November, 2013. Surgery, Christmas Eve. 
a, a short medical intervention for three treatments only when it was supposed to be every two weeks for, for the, the rest, rest of, of his life. life. Yeah. Dismissed in May of 2014. No medical intervention since that time. Remission by the fall of, 250, of yeah. 2014 and cancer-free by, yeah. by 2015. Yeah, and you just passed, you just blew past yeah. your five-year survival. Not surviving, but yeah. thriving. And then, again, I, as a police officer, I took the two years off uh, to, to recover from the cancer, and that my coming back to work after the two years coincided with the expiry of all my, my fitness testing and my health test, my three-year uh, physical fitness tests. So that fall... So I, I, we, it's called the uh, the pair system. It's a circuit uh, circuit training that we have to do in physical fitness in a specific time, four minutes and under. I hadn't run it since 204, and uh, I said to myself, you know, the last time I ran it was to, to qualify for United Nations peacekeeping duties, and um, now I'm 215. Uh, you know, 11 years later, and I've survived cancer. I want to run my pair test. So I went that week to did my qualifications for, for everything. And uh, the day of pair, there was about 28 of us in the class. I was the second oldest police officer. The other guy was in his 60s. Most of the other individuals, male and female, were in their 20s and 30s. Uh, there was maybe, maybe four of us or five of us out of the 28 that ran the pair. The coordinator, they know the only thing I had to do was go to my doctor a, because of my age group, normally you have to get a stress test, which I did in 204 to see if I could even run the physical fitness test. 215, I go to my doctor. He does all my markers. He says, you don't even have to do the stress test. You go run your pair. And that's 11 years later and just survived stage four cancer. So again, <laughs> we talk about mindset. I'm like, oh my God. So I go that day. And um, it was funny, you know, the circuit up the stairs, down the stairs, over a barricade, pull, push, wait. And uh, when I got the push-pull station, I paused for a little bit. And then I finished, and then he called time. And I was over four minutes. And I think it was about maybe 40 seconds slower than I had done in 204. And I was so angry because I paused at the push-pull <laughs> station. And the guy says, oh, come on, Dad, don't be so hard on yourself. You know, you're 50-some-odd years old, and you just, you know, you, you know, you just ran your pair an incredible and then I said, yeah, you know, and I just I just got back to work from a cancer diagnosis. Well, the guy's jaw just about dropped because he wasn't aware of it. Of I said, yeah, stage four kidney cancer. And <laughs> he made just you up. sit down on a bench. Yeah, you yeah. weren't taking your blood pressure. You're not going until your blood pressure recovers. And they were just amazed. So, again, when you talk about mindset, there's all these young guys that are watching. And they knew of me. And it was, they're just, wow. Yeah. So, yeah. and here we are again, you know, and every time we speak publicly and here we are again with you and, and having this opportunity, uh, I am now at, at five years and, uh, six, five years, six months, five years, six months. So I keep flipping the chart over of another month, another year. And I don't feel any worse. I feel always better than I have the last time again. That yeah. we speak. And you know, nobody knows what the future no. holds. Cancer is, is uh, you know, cancer is a tricky thing. But when you were supposed to be, I was supposed to be a widow mm. for years by now. And we have had this amazing life. Mm. We've done so many incredible things. This, you know, they say the cancer is the worst thing, but also the best thing that happens to you sometimes. Yeah. And I would have to say that has really been true for us because yeah. 
it has changed the direction of our life. We have, you know, we're so passionate about spreading this message about a whole food plant-based diet. There's no guarantees, but. <laughs> tip the, tip the but, scales in yeah, your, in yeah, your favor, exactly. right? Put all the coins in your basket. Exactly. Yeah, you know, it's, it's so interesting too. And like I say that regardless of what happens next, when I look back and you say, you know, day by day, month by month, and I still have that same attitude as to my uh, my eyes wait. I open my eyes in the morning. I uh, get up out of bed. I do the day. I see how the day goes. You make the best of it. You jump back into bed again. And you think about the day. A couple of deep breaths. Relax. <laughs> meditate a bit. Close your eyes. Yeah. Boom. You're back to sleep. And you do it again the next day. And and we've been free, free of the medical system. You yeah. know, to think that uh, we would still be every two weeks packing up going driving five hours to vancouver staying in a hotel because he feels so crappy the day two one two days mm -hmm. after the treatment the and then scan. coming home and and you know and then re repeat you know your life is kind of you hand your life over to the medical system you abdicate control and we've had complete control and not to say that you know we're so lucky that if, if we do need treatment or, you know, we, we are so grateful for being, uh, you know, employees of the government that we were treated so well and our, you know, we didn't have the coverage. stress of financial, all of those things. But we're so happy that we escaped having to be just a file number for another test, another scan, another mm. appointment, another specialist. Yeah. The only thing that really bothered us about the whole medical process was when we reviewed our file in my uh, my trial study uh, case file, there was not one mention about us being whole food plant-based, which was very disappointing to see because you would think that would that is such a big a uh, factor or, or we felt is such a big factor nutrition is such a big factor as to why they wouldn't want that noted right, but yeah. I, you know and you know we always say this if, if 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 they really wanted to cure cancer how come there's not a research team at our house looking at what we eat when we go to bed what kind of toilet paper we use what kind contact. of soap what what are we doing yeah right yeah it um it yeah it's been tremendous and you know <laughs> it's uh we do a lot of outreach in our own community, face to face with individuals that are, are, are other cancer diagnoses. And we've lost so many people. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. And we've lost so many people. And then, and then some people, they, they, you know, they'll look at everything, they'll do our certain things. But the one thing when you ask them, just consider changing what you eat. And some people that no, just, I can't. I'm not going to do that. And we do, in. and we do know some individuals, uh, cancer diagnoses, that have adopted a whole food, plant-based diet that um, have done so much. Better. Have done so much better. And and it's you know, and people in our past too that that we've lost. And you think you know, uh, from rheumatoid arthritis and heart disease and diabetes. If we'd only and, known then what we know now. And, could we have helped them or could we have influenced them to change their diet? Yeah. So we're, we're not physicians. We're not going to advise people on what kind of medical care they should seek out. But we do advise people, change your diet, eliminate all animal products, eliminate the processed foods, just eat a whole food plant-based yeah. diet. Yeah. And learn about, You've learn got about. nothing to lose and everything to gain. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
So shifting gears here, I mean, uh, away from the cancer <laughs> and now, now back to both of you guys. What I love about you both is that you're, you both are just so in sync with each other. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and I think that is absolutely... I think that is, well, you know, bad and good days. But as with any relationship, I would draw inspiration from your relationship. And I hope that when we reach our later years, we have the same connection that you both have. For people out there who look at your relationship, what, what's your secret to having such a glowing relationship? Well, I, I think, first of all, that we're, you know, we, we feed off each other for our social needs as well. So we're each other's, definitely each other's best, best, best friend. And um, we've all, always, you know, been able to get that from each other. Um, and uh, I think that's one of the fundamental things too. And then again, as a relationship, it's not always roses, <laughs> but I think that we, you know, uh, it's just an amazing thing that, that uh, you know, it's going to be 30 years this June. 30 years in June. Wow. And, yeah. I think that... Um... We're very fortunate that this has both captivated us, uh, obvious, for obvious this reasons. This lifestyle change. This yeah. lifestyle change. And that we have, um, you know, I started being so passionate about the health, and I still am. It's my first love. I am a total health nerd, geek, can't mm -hmm. stop the reading. I'm off to plantrician this September. Dan has really uh, run with the animal rights aspect. He's off to a animal liberation conference in Berkeley, California next week. Mm -hmm. um, I also am passionate about the animals. So, so I just feel like we're both, we're just both so passionate about the health, the animals and the environment. Mm -hmm. And so, so driven towards so it, driven mutually it. driven towards it, that I think our interests, you know, just by changing what the food on our plate has changed that so drastically, yeah. you know, and, and again, you know, what like, I you know just briefly with myself as a police officer, we talk about as police officers, we intervene with, with violence and what, uh, you know, victimization and we, that's ingrained in me as a police officer to investigate violence and, and, and prevent violence and help victims of violence. So then it's a natural step for me again, to look at animals that it's the same job that I have as a police officer. It's just a different victim. And then again, as a media spokesperson, you know, for our, our police force, then I have a skill set that I can apply to helping these different species of victims. Yeah. So, so, I mean, we're just, we just happen to share the same passion and it, it works together. Mm -hmm. I feel like, uh, you know, he's got, you know, some strong suits and I have some strong suits and together it, just, it works out really, really well. And um, it's great to have somebody to support and bounce off things. And how does this sound? And what do, what do you want to do now? And, mm. and it's, it's become our new, our new hobby, I guess. I don't know. Hobby, passion, uh, Dan just retired, but I feel like we're busier than ever. It's yeah. a, a that it's, cliche you're going to be busier yeah, once you retire. It's, yeah. it's really it's our full time job now. I'm totally on the same page with you guys as well because it was my wife that came into this whole lifestyle yeah. for for health reasons as well. If not for her, I would not be speaking to you guys today. I would not have run the summit with Toby. And to have the opportunity to connect with so many inspirational people whom whom I just connect 
just like you guys instantaneously like i would love to have you over in singapore and you are you guys are saying that do come over to bc yeah. we'd love to oh. host you and it's it's just the same thing with all the people that i've connected with uh, globally it's just like come stay in my couch it's just amazing isn't it it, it is. is it really it's, truly is it's the best community we've ever been involved is. with it's yeah. uh, you know it's we all yeah. have this con we all have this goal that we're very concerned with what's going on and uh, that uh, we want to help others uh, see this and affect the change that really has to happen. And it has to happen in short order. And it's a lot bigger than just our own personal health. It's, it's the health of the planet and every inhabitant of the, you know, everybody on this little piece of rock. Yeah, we're, I, it's a very passionate community, that's for sure. As a final question, and this is what I ask um, all the people that I speak to, what does being awake mean to you? I think I started to wake up because of something as simple as food, or at least I thought it was simple. And then the more I learned about food, the more I felt like I was waking up from a coma that I'd been in my whole life. And, and not only did I wake up, but I woke up with a, this sounds cliche, but a superpower that enabled me to see through the misinformation and the distractions and the contrived systems that have been put in place by industry, government, and even society for that matter, that, you know, for power and profit, at the price of our health and our humanity and the future of the planet. And, you know, we, we, we go along through life uh, not questioning what we're told to do. We, you know, eat this, that, oh, chronic diseases, there's nothing you can do about it, or, oh, you must take these medications or, or um, you know, meat for protein, calcium from dairy, all of these things that we absolutely take for granted. On and on the list goes. Yeah, the list goes on and on. and. And so that's, yeah, that's what I think being awoke is, is just seeing through that. Yeah. And then I think, too, is that and we discussed this question that you posed to us and that what's really interesting is that each individual has that superpower within us and it's ready to be used. All you got to do is educate yourself, have an open mind, question things a little bit more. And, and educate yourselves about the truths about many industries, about animal agriculture, big pharma, and look at the facts as to and what we're even witnessing ourselves with respect to climate change. Look at what the main concern of the food industry right now is with respect to profit over our, our health, our personal health and that of the, the planet and these billions of animals that we're, we're breeding then to slaughter, um, you know, I think one of the big highlights that we've had, and again, what gives us this, this awakening and has put us on this path, and here we are even speaking with you, but these serendipitous occasions that we have gotten to meet these individuals, from T. Colin Campbell to Michael Clapper to Neil Barnhart to all of these researchers and physicians and, and people that we- Luke Tan. Luke Tan from Singapore. And then the one individual too, is we got to know quite well is Dr. Celeste Rowe of Climate Healers. And he's a producer of Cowspiracy and What the Health. He said it best. He says, we're all being factory farmed. And that the one thing about being awake to me is that, is that we need to 
from accepting normalized violence, we have to strive towards normalized nonviolence. A, a society of normalized nonviolence. And again, it all comes back to what's on your plate. It really does. It comes back because at the end of the day, what I always say is what's on your plate. It's a culmination of all your values and your beliefs yeah. in the world that you like to see. That's really, right. because that is your vote in the world, really, in on, on so many levels. And on a physical front, in your physical body, because it's how you look and how you feel is a result of what you have on your plate. Yeah, peace begins on your plate. You know, we've been, and we've been watching your family, Emily, and you and your daughter. And again, there's one of the, the things I think that clinches this for us is that here we are at this age and, and your, your beautiful daughter with those, that lovely face and those brown eyes. And just this this sheer innocence, and 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 they're very awake at that age. They're yeah. more awake than we are. Or were I in think our they are. Yeah. when we were little kids, we were oblivious. I yeah. mean, I think this generation. I mean, we see that. We see so many. Yeah. Uh, Greta Thunberg. Yeah, all of these these kids. Oh, of course, my goodness. That yeah. are a force to be reckoned with because they get it, and. Yeah. Uh, we've just we've been in a coma and we're catching up now yeah yes. yeah. yeah thank god for them yeah so indeed we're hopeful well you know i think greta says it you know we don't want your hope we want your panic right we need to yeah. the house needs. is on fire we need to do something about this I love it. I love it. Well, thank you very much, Dan and Sean. Always love chatting with you. So for the audience that want to kind of connect with you, how can they connect with you? And again, uh, our social media platforms, Indian Rock Vegans, uh, as our group pages on Facebook and uh, uh, Instagram. We're loading more things on YouTube uh, and Twitter. And again, we do have an open Facebook group, Dan Sean Moskalak is a shared page. Uh, Indian Rock Vegans is specifically on the health component of things. And then the Facebook page, Dan and Sean Moskalak, is all the compilation of, uh, of our resource hubbing of environmental uh, information, animal rights and movement and, and, and uh, information about that and activism and the health as well. And just sharing about the food and everything. Yes. Well, thanks again. And hopefully um, we'll be able to see you in Singapore or even um, in BC, because BC is where I foresee myself ending up. Oh, oh my wife happy. and Sienna, because I visited BC um, many years ago, um, Victoria, actually. And, you know, when you go to a place and you instantaneously feel the energy and you just feel at home, Victoria did it for me. So hopefully sooner rather than later. Oh, that yeah. would be great. In Indian Rock, that's essentially it. Why Indian Rock Vegans is because Indian Rock is this little hamlet and it's an interesting place, little community here that has brought together a very eclectic and dynamic group of individuals that uh, they're and, and geographically speaking, it's such a beautiful place that we're BC so fortunate. Beautiful. We're yeah. very fortunate. Very, very, very pretty Blessed. province. Yeah, we are. But you know, stranger things can happen because we could never have predicted how our life has gone. So we might be at your dining room table before you know it. <laughs> We've got it set for you. <laughs> thank you, That's Luke. awesome, Luke. All right, thank you. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon. I love Dan and Sean and I look forward to visiting them one day in BC. If you know of someone that has been impacted by cancer or is considering this lifestyle switch, do share this with them. Thank you for tuning in today. I really appreciate you taking the time out to listen to this episode. 
But more importantly, take the first step to learning about and living a fitter, healthier, and more purpose-driven, conscious lifestyle. If you'd like more information on what was shared on this episode, visit awakemethod.com slash podcast. Until next time, live once, eat plants. See you on the next episode. Bye. Oh,